Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Good morning, Arizona. Happy Sunday. Beautiful day here in Sunny Slope. We can see the clouds out over the hills. And it's going to get warm. Warm's good. Warm makes things wake up and grow. You know, it's been a roller coaster of weather this uh, this spring or early winter or late fall, whatever you want to call it, whatever has happened since the first of the year. But, um, you know, we had a you know a little bit of cool weather, had a few frosts around the valley and uh, a little bit of warm weather, but uh, nothing unusual. And uh, the way it's kind of went up and down like a wave, it uh, really has been a nice uh, spring so far. Anyway, great time to get out, check your irrigation system, make sure it's all working because, um, you know, we know the days are getting longer. And even though it's not, you know, a lot hotter, um, plants are starting to wake up. They're going to start using more water. It's a good idea to go out and make sure the heads are all working on your drip system and they are getting water. And all that new growth takes a little something to grow on. You know, and it really is becoming more apparent that our critical water use here, how we manage our irrigation, how we take care of our plants, is is always been life here in Arizona, but even more critical as we expand our population here in the desert. Anyway, give us a call. We could talk about your landscape dreams, your nightmares, what to grow, how to grow it, where to grow it, how to plant it. If you're doing something different at home, we'd love to hear from you. We have Julia back here smiling on the phones and the music. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. You know, we start off every Sunday morning with pretty open phones. We finish up, but it's kind of hard to get in. So if you're listening early, you got a question, suggestion, an idea, something different you're growing at home. You know, we have such a wide plethora of plants that we can grow here. We are in a subtropical environment, which means that, uh, you know, we have temperatures that are conducive to growing a lot of different things. We grow things that are common that you'll see growing at higher elevations. We grow an awful lot of roses here in Arizona and beautiful citrus. And you can grow uh, quite a vegetable garden if you like as well. But in the meantime, we can grow tropical plants. You know, this is a place where you might actually get out and grow a mango, or you could perhaps grow a papaya if you wanted to in your own yard, along with your citrus and things that they can't do in other places, um, even some bananas. But whatever your dreams, give us a call. Number to call 602-277-5827. And, and you can lead the direction. You know, we have a beautiful Sonoran Desert here. If you haven't been out hiking and exploring, it's a great time to do so before it warms up. And uh, be mindful of the fact, though, the desert is dry. And, uh, and the desert here stretches all the way up to the snow level. So wherever you go hiking, wherever you go camping, be mindful of our, our drier, you know, foliage this time of year. You know, hopefully we get a good monsoon. And that's when our opportunity comes in where we can really, you know, have the moisture come in to make a big difference. Well, you have to leave the direction, folks. You have to tell me where you want to go. So if you want to talk about planting, we can do that. If you want to talk about the tropics, that's fine. If you're planting a late vegetable garden or maybe just a mid-season one, I mean, you can still plant things from seed, even like cantaloupes and watermelons and, and all the different kinds of melons. It's okra it can go in this time of year, radishes and carrots, a lot to grow out in the garden. And there's a lot of things that you might want to talk about taking care of, like the peppers and tomatoes that you already have in. Or if you haven't, you can still certainly plant all those guys from from starts and sets as well. So whatever your dream for that perfect landscape, give us a call 
877-KTAR. You know, now's the time of year if you're going to do some pruning. If you haven't gotten around to pruning your deciduous plants, if you want to cut back your roses, if you want to hack back a little on your citrus or maybe thin out your sisu, uh, even a good time to do the mesquites, palaverdes, and ironwoods. If you're going to prune, this is a great time to do it. You know, it's going to be a lot easier on plants. Say that you miss pruning your peach tree and you want to reduce its size or thin a little bit. You know, it's still a lot better to do it now than uh, it's going to be any time, you know, in the near future. So if you miss some of your spring pruning or winter pruning, if you want to thin out those roses and get bigger, longer stem roses, you can prune them right now while they're active. It's not as ideal as it was a month ago, but it's certainly better than it will be a month from now. And that goes for citrus, too. The hardier evergreen plants like citrus and live oaks and ficus trees. You know, if you have a big ficus tree and you want to reduce its size this year, now's the time to do it. You know, we do have a pretty decent forecast. We have a weather coming up that's going to be in the 90s, but then it's going to roll back into the 80s again. So if you've got that big ficus tree that's out of hand and you want to cut it back, you know, now's a good time to do so. But the one thing I'll remind you of not to prune this time of year, as far as big pruning on them, is uh, don't waste time pruning Mexican or California fan palms. Um, you know, their seed heads haven't come out for the year yet. So those we're going to leave and do our pruning after the 4th of July. Diana and Gilbert, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I can't believe I'm first. Well, you are. You were just being shy. Well, you know, it's funny. All the lines filled up at one time. (laughs) Well, I have a a saguaro question. We moved into the house 22 years ago, and the saguaro was already there. It It has grown to about 15 feet tall, and then the last big wind, the top five feet of it, and one arm fell off. Okay. It it had had a lot of um, woodpecker mm-hmm. work, and is there anything I need to do to the end, uh, the top end of? You know, usually that'll callus and heal over pretty well, and it'll come back and branch and put out more arms for there. Uh, just watch mm-hmm. it. If you see anything where you start having any ooze or any black up there, then you could get some powdered sulfur or dusting sulfur and clean that out and dust it. And if it's not too high to get to, it wouldn't be a bad thing to do anyway. The powdered sulfur is really <laughs> about good. About 12 feet up there. <laughs> well, you don't want to go wrestle with it with a ladder. And, you know, typically when they break off like that on the top portion of the plant, uh-huh. they usually are going to seal over and callus and heal. And then they'll then they'll put, oh, good. Then they'll put okay. out. Okay, and more anything arms I can do to deflect the the uh, woodpeckers? Uh, well, not legally, but there's a lot of things you can do. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I don't know who decided to protect Gila woodpeckers, but uh, they are protected. And, oh, okay. Well, that's good so, to know. I'll so, watch out for so you guys then. Long, well, I wouldn't be overly kind to them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hey, thanks for the information. <laughs> thanks, Diana. Bye bye. Mm. Uh, Cindy in Phoenix. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning. I have a star jasmine that I planted in a pot on my patio the end of the summer, and some of the leaves are turning red. That's pretty normal this time of year. What it should be doing, though, is popping out a lot of new growth right now. And it is. Okay. It is. Then it's happy. It's just changing a few leaves. Okay. You know, it's, and when, it's, will, when will I get stars? Well, how much sun do you have it in, Cindy? Um, it faces south. Well, so it's, it's, it's going to have stuff. blooms within two weeks. 
I mean, okay, this is just, cool. just the season for them. You know, we had this roller coaster of weather. I mean, trees like the pistachios aren't even leafed out yet of the pecans. But, okay. um, you know, it's going to get 90 a few more days, and it's going to stay in the 80s, and that's going to bring that bloom on. And star jasmine will bloom, you know, they'll bloom easily six months a year. You're going to bloom season for a long time once it gets started. Okay, nice. And fertilize now? Um, if you'd like to, and if you'd like to include, you know, include more flowers on it, you could use something like Super Bloom or even miracle Grow, something higher in phosphorus where the second number's higher, and that'll probably get you a little more bloom. But they're going to bloom, you know, on the south side, they're going to bloom very regular. You know, anyway, they're going to okay. be a good performer for you. All right, great. Thank you. Thanks, Cindy. Bye-bye. Uh, Doug in Phoenix. Good morning, Douglas. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I wanted to ask you, I've got uh, uh, the ryegrass growing right now, and I know we're getting ready to go to Bermuda, and I've noticed that the golf courses keep their courses extremely wet. Mm-hmm. Should I be doing that and getting ready for the Bermuda to come up? or No. I mean, I, I, right now you just kind of a maintenance kind of schedule on ryegrass. should be watered about once a week. Um, and really it's not going to be hot enough for a couple of weeks to kill the Bermuda grass. I mean, to kill the rye to go to Bermuda grass. So you're probably a couple of weeks, you know, in maybe a couple more irrigations on your rye. And then what you want to do is then you want to shut the water off and let the rye get very tall. And don't mow it for a couple of weeks and let it get a little weaker with the heat once we're up in the 90s to 100 area. We hope that doesn't happen too soon. But anyway, once yeah. we get that warm, then shut the water off for a couple of weeks. Don't mow. Let it get tall. And then come back and scalp it just like you would the Bermuda grass when you're planting the rye back in the fall. And uh-huh. uh, and then water it. And then the Bermuda grass can come in. Keep it mowed pretty short. And the Bermuda grass can come in and take over. Perfect. Okay, thank you. I just wonder why they kept the courses so wet. I mean, you're golfing, your ball lands in its flashes, and I just well, that's probably. You know, I'm not going to, you know, the, the greensman. I'll tell you what, we all have different ideas, and everybody's got their own course. But most courses shouldn't be that wet. <laughs> you know, okay. if they're trying to keep the, you know, the the fairways, if they're overseeded fairways, you know, they're probably watering them more. It probably depends on which day of the week you're playing and you know, how many tees they got going on, different things. But uh, the greensman do quite a job okay. on all these golf courses, and it's all. Always between you know us tree kind of guys and the greens guys. There's always us growing the grass and us growing the trees, and we typically have a difference of opinion here and there because we have a different purpose. I mean, they're trying to grow it to keep it as green as possible. You know, especially right now during spring ball, we have a lot of players out here. We got a lot of tourists who want that. You want those fairways and the greens and everything to be perfect. You know, and okay. what we're going to do at home is going to be different than what they're going to do because we have a different objective. You know, we're looking to have our best lawn year round. They're looking to have something especially good right now because we have so many people in town you know playing golf right okay well Thanks, i appreciate Dave. it thank you bye-bye uh jeff and litchfield and then after that we've got three open lines but first we have to take a momentarily remember that yes a short break a commercial thing listen to one of julia's songs so uh, we'll be right back after the break with the whitfield nursery garden show in the meantime we have three lines open the number to call 602-277-5827 277-KTAR it's julia and brian here with the whitfield nursery garden show every sunday from seven to nine on 92.3 fm ktar Fill up my senses Like night in a forest Like the mountains in springtime Like a walk in the rain 
like a sleepy blue ocean. You fill up my senses. Come fill me again. Come let me love you. Let me give my life to you. Let me drown in your laughter. Let me die in your Arizona, beautiful day out there. Those clouds up over the hills here in Sunny Slope are quite wonderful. We do have a couple lines open. The number to call for Julia, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. We can talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares. But if you have something different you're doing home, a new style, something different to grow, a way to take care of some of our problems, we're all ears. We're all here to learn. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Jeff in Litchfield Park. Good morning, Jeff. Morning, Brian. Uh, question for you. Got got two of them. Um, one, I'm planning on planting a yard this uh, coming up soon in the summer. The issue is, is I have a house built in 1970, and it's got black plastic over pretty much the entire yard. Um, what would be the best route on getting rid of that black plastic? I was thinking uh, maybe rototilling it up and kind of raking up whatever I could get. Do you have any other suggestions? <laughs> well, it's just not easy. Uh, so you're going to put in new granite? You're going to put in lawn? Or what, what are you going to do? I'm going to do grass. Grass, okay. So, you know, the yep. easiest thing to do would be hire somebody with a little grading tractor that could drop the tines down on a gannon, and they can just rip right through it, and it'll pull all the plastic up, and then they can come okay. level all the, take the gravel away. And, while, you know, while they're doing that whole process, it really is, it's easier to get it because they can, you know, they'll be taking the gravel off, and with the, the tines coming down, they can rip out the plastic at the same time and haul it away for you. Um you know, if you wanted to rent a little tractor and do that yourself, you could as well. But it's going to be easier with a piece of machinery. Okay. Um, other thing I got for you, Red Push Pistache brought, bought from you guys about three years ago, uh, put it in the ground. Unfortunately, it got overwatered this summer with the monsoons that we have. Um, cut away the dead wood. It looks like the core of the tree is still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, plenty of flex in, in the branches and whatnot. Um, but I don't see any new growth yet. Is it too soon to hope for Jeff, new growth? It's been, or no, it's just been a strange it? year. No, not at all. Um, you okay. know, They haven't woken up yet. It's been too okay. cool and with the roller coaster of weather and them being a desert tree there. They're kind of laying there, you know, kind of yawning on the on the bed this morning, you know, watching the sun come up. But, uh, you know, with 90 degrees midweek, I think you're going to see a lot more growth pop out and buds kind of come out. And uh, I think that they'll they'll change. Perfect. Thanks so so much for the information. Have a Thanks, good day. Jeff. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we've got Mark and Chandler, but then we have some open lines, folks. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Good morning, Mark and Chandler. Good morning. Got a couple questions on my grapefruit. Uh, this might be kind of silly, but just wanted to make sure. Had a real nice crop last year. It's like the 50th year that the grapefruit's been in the ground. As I start to trim it, and oh, and... Beautiful new blooms everywhere also. As I start to trim it, um, do I need to be worried that if I'm trimming something that doesn't have any blooms on it now, it's not going to bloom if it hasn't already bloomed, have it? In other words, I don't want to chop down something that might still... 
you might still get some later buds, but you know, grapefruit and oranges and and uh, most of those are going to be pretty determinate bloom cycle. Tangelos, tangerine, so they usually bloom one cycle and kind of go through their whole bloom within about a three week period in a year. Um, you know, other things like lemons and limes, they'll bloom oftentimes more than once or kumquats. But so, okay. what, but why? What's your purpose in pruning it, Mark? Why? Why are you pruning it? Oh, it's new and it's just. Um the ones that had grapefruit on it, mm-hmm. those branches are now practically touching the ground. So once I get the grapefruit off of those, I don't necessarily need need these bare branches, bare from flowers anyway, just leaves that are literally like an inch from the ground. So, yeah, so I'm just getting the bottom ones. Okay, and you want to keep them, you know, you can keep it up two, three feet off the ground, but be mindful of the fact that all those lower limbs on citrus shade and protect it. So just to- that's where I was going. Also, the two feet is perfect for what. And looks in what it's looking like. Ideal, yeah. And you can prune citrus anytime now is a good time to prune them. So prune them for shape, and you know you won't miss the two or three grapefruits you might take a limb off here and there. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Bye bye. Have a good morning. Oh, let's see. Next up, we've got Sam and Mesa. But after Sam, we have some open lines. The number to call, Julia, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Good morning, Sam. Good morning. Yes, sir. So I have a, a new house, and I had had Bermuda grass probably five years ago, and now I want to put reestablish the lawn. But okay. there's no there's no Bermuda really growing anywhere except the corners. So what should I do? Uh, are there a lot of trees in the lawn, Sam, or is it just? There, nope, it's wide open. Wide and open. I'm looking at about. 800 square feet of grass. So right now is the ideal time just to come back and rework it and get it ready for sod. You know, and, and probably here in the next two, three weeks, by the time you get the sod ordered, uh, it would be the perfect time to put in some new sod. And you just need to determine okay. how much traffic you're going to have. You know, if you're going to have a lot of kids playing on it or animals on it, uh, then I would use a, yes. a tougher one like a Tifway 419. And that's a denser, okay. hardier sod that's good for traffic and, and ball games and volleyball and all that kind of stuff so that's the one i would choose uh if your ground's fairly heavy what you might want to do uh so you have an irrigation system there now it does and i I spent all day yesterday making sure it was working and everything so it's all ready to go okay well you know if you could you could rototill some gypsum into it if you wanted to uh you could aerate it and put some gypsum into it uh if you add a little bit of organic material that would be good as well you know, you could if you want to rototill it, but if you don't want to go through that much work, it'll probably still grow a pretty decent lawn. But if you would at least go through and run an aerator and aerate it, maybe throw some gypsum in it and soften it up a little bit before you plant, your lawn will do better. And then you want to fertilize okay. your new lawn right away as you come back in with it with like a lawn starter or like a sixteen twenty fertilizer, something with nitrogen and phosphorus, and away you go. But the perfect time to plant a new lawn is mid mid end April. Okay, what, right now the the topsoil it's not a hard compact. It's almost like uh, like gardening dirt. Okay, on top, well, I don't know how he kept it so clean. I don't know if it's if it's that so, soft. It's fine. You might not have to do anything. Just just go ahead and fertilize it when you plant it and uh, keep it wet. You'll get uh, instructions from the sod company. But you really want to keep it really wet the first week, watering three or four times a day, so you don't get any seams in it. And you know, this time of year by mid May, you could be playing on it. Oh, perfect. One more question, if you have time. Yes, sir. Um, next weekend, will that be too late to plant 
citrus trees, though. Maple, no, orange, no, and I, a lemon. I'll tell you, with planting citrus trees, um, you know, for us, because we're busy with the retail nursery business, uh, I have planted most of our orchards in June. And our last okay. orchard we planted with lemons, uh, 2,200 trees, we lost two. And we planted those the second week of June, you know, going into the hottest oh. season of the year. And so you can plant citrus trees anytime, and they're probably easier to plant, you know, in, in the spring like right now and, and through the summer than they would be to plant in the wintertime. Okay, great. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you very much. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got uh, David in Goodyear. Good morning, David. Good morning. Yes, sir. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, uh, I planted a uh, citrus clementine probably about two, three years ago, and it's doing great. It's growing, but it's not bearing any fruit at all. It's right next to a lemon tree. We have a lot of uh, other citrus trees in the in my area, and I'm just wondering, was it not pollinating? What's What's going on with it? Seems well, to be growing good. I had some stalks going out of the bottom. I trimmed them down, I'm just trying to get the top to grow out, but nothing, no fruit bearing. Do you have a banjo, no David? What's that? Do you have a banjo? A banjo, no. Oh, you don't? Because you need a banjo and you need to sit out there in the evenings and play, Oh, my darling, oh, my darling, oh, my darling, Clementine. <laughs> And, uh, no, it, uh, you know, really with the clementine or navel and some of the other citrus, you know, they're slower growing and, um, in the, in the growth's great and it will bloom as long as it's in the sun, but they don't necessarily have a crop when they're real young and, uh, they do better with some cross pollination, but, you know, they'll self pollinate. There's enough citrus, you know, in almost any given area where they're going to get plenty of pollination. So I wouldn't be overly concerned with it. I think it's just going to be a matter of time. But the most important thing you said is the tree's growing well, you know. There are some varieties that won't, uh, won't, like a satsuma and some of those really won't grow here, but if it's uh, most of the clementine varieties um, would, would you know be pretty good bearish here over time. Okay, great. I won't give up on it. Thanks. Don't give up. And, and you know, if, okay, you, if, you, if you like, you know, sometimes the Salvation Army has those banjos on special. <laughs> All right. Fair bye. enough. Thanks. Bye, 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 David. Bye. Thanks. Oh, looks like uh, John Roller rolled in here, so it's going to be time for the... You're a banjo player, aren't you? <laughs> oh, yes. I can play every instrument. Yeah. You know, I, I can play no instrument. <laughs> back from the back from the grade school days with MHT and my clarinet. Hey, I played the triangle. <laughs> that, that or, you know, we're going to play a song. Roller, you get in the about. back and play the triangle. Triangle. I was okay at percussion. We, we've was we, we've got an instrument song coming up here in a minute that I think I can handle. Anyway, we'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Ray at Apache Junction, you'll be up next. And remember to call Julia in the break, 602-277-5827. i 
I'm not sleepy either. You know, I, I think Roller could probably handle the trampoline. Maybe, maybe not, you know. Anyway, uh, Mr. Tambourine Man, now we're going to go to Ray and AJ. We've got a couple lines open. The number to call is 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Good morning, Ray. Good morning to you, sir. And, I, you know, you're famous for your Brian-isms, <laughs> and I would like to hear two of your famous ones, your tuna can and your screwdriver. I, I am a ex-Sunny Sloper. Went to grade school at Mountain View, uh, on Mountain View Road there, Sunny Slope Grade School. Uh, you could have been a, a teacher, too. You're you're great. You remind me of Mr. Collins and Mr. DeWitt, and my principal at the time there was Mr. Turner. But I'll give it to you, Brian, my friend, to tell us about the screwdriver and the tuna can in your lawn. Could you do that for me, please? Well, absolutely, Ray. I mean, those are the two <laughs> most useful tools that anyone will have when uh, monitoring an irrigation system. You know, and love it. You got you got to got to know how much water comes out. And it's the tuna can. You know what makes a tuna can perfect, Ray? Is it has vertical yes. sides. Okay, so you know, in a tuna can, when it captures an inch of water, versus a plate or a bowl, you know, or something with a tapered side. Uh, a tuna can is true. It's square and, well, it's a cylinder. But anyway, it does catch an inch of water when you want to measure an inch. And the screwdriver, you know, sometimes you need a pretty good size one, but, you know, you can you can, you can throw them and stick them in the ground. If you can throw your screwdriver and if it'll stick, you don't need the water. If you throw your screwdriver and it bounces off the ground, uh, then you know it's a little dry. And, you know, in oh, your neighborhood, famous. well, your neighborhood there, Ray, in Sunny Slope, you know, uh, we used to play baseball up there and there and at uh, Desert View School and all those schools around Sunny Slope. And uh, what a wonderful yes. community. You know, it was just a great place. It was. Play. Yes. Yes. Love it. Monford Park. I learned how to play ping pong there. Well, but, I, I met my wife at, uh, at the corner of uh, the good old 12th Street and Dunlap at the park there. Yes. Yeah. She was a softball player there. My sister's team. They needed a coach one time. Cool. <laughs> anyway, wow, Ray. Cool. Have a Thank nice you day. very much. Thank you. Pleasant talking to you, sir. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Miles and Mesa. Good morning, Miles. Hey. Good morning. How are you? Great, sir. Hey. So I was going to plant a uh, ficus tree today. Uh, I was looking at the Indian laurels. Everybody mm-hmm. kept recommending them. Okay. This kind of is close to a. Uh, like a privacy wall um, that encloses a swimming pool, mm-hmm. probably within 10 feet or so. I was worried about the roots. Is that something I should be worried about? Well, Miles, it depends on what your plans are for your tree. Um, if, you, if you're going to keep the tree pruned, uh, the roots won't be a problem. But if you're going to let it grow into a full-size giant ficus, um, then it could be an issue. That's what I was wanting was a full-size giant shade tree. Okay. The then, then, well, here's what I would do. First off, you're planting it close to a pool. And the ficus tree is an evergreen. It's going to shed a little all the time. I would look at doing either a red push pistachio. Okay, or like a Fantex ash. And what makes these superior to ficus is they drop their leaves one week a year in January. 
and the rest of the year you're not going to have any litter. So while you're out there swimming and enjoying your summer, uh, you're not going to have leaves falling. And with a ficus tree, you're going to have leaves falling. And the other problem with ficus is they attract a lot of birds that time of year because they have figs, and the birds are out there doing their job to fertilize the ficus. So next to a pool like that, unless you want to keep it pruned and maintained, if you want to grow a big tree, uh, I think a ficus would be you know more cumbersome with litter. They're pretty popular because they're evergreen, you know, and it's from the, from that standpoint, and they'll give you a nice screenage and privacy, and they're used a lot for hedges and things, too. But if you want something clean just for shade by a pool, I would look at a deciduous tree, you know, like a pistachio or an ash. Okay, great. Okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Miles. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Jan in Northeast Mesa. Then we've got those open lines, and Julia back here smiling. Give her a call, 602-277-5827. Good morning, Jan. Well, good morning, Brian. Uh, I enjoy your show. I have lots of uh, trees and plants in my yard that you've recommended purchase from you. So thank you. Well, thank you. Okay. I also have a question about ficus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have two ficus, well, I guess you call them trees because they're 12 feet tall. They're on the northeast side of our house, and they're somewhat close to the house. So they're t- about 12 feet high, and they're about 5 feet wide. Now, is this a good time to cut them back quite a bit, and how much can I cut them back? I mean, I'd like them to be about 8 feet tall. This is the perfect time, Jan. I mean, you couldn't find okay. better weather to prune a ficus. It's warm enough for them to grow and fill back in and protect themselves, okay? But it's not, okay. the days aren't so long and the heat's not so intense as to burn the wood. So if you're going to do major pruning on them, this is a good time to do it. I wouldn't cut them back to the point where they were bare or didn't have any foliage, okay? But if you want okay. to reduce their size by like a third, you know, just leave some foliage on them for them to come back out. Yeah, they should be fine. Okay, so would it be a, would it be okay to do that, or should I just prune them back a little bit every year for a couple of years? No, no, they're going they're to grow back. Just, okay. just prune them back now, okay? And so if you prune them back okay. right now, you can expose some of the wood to the sun and different things. And then if you'll prune okay. them, you know, maybe two or three times during the year just to keep them back right. into form and shape. And by limiting okay. the top growth, you also limit the root growth and the caliber. So if you'll just keep them pruned, they'll make a very nice compact tree. And the same way they're used for hedges. And, and they're excellent, mm-hmm. but we, you know. So the pruning is going to really help you manage the tree and make it, you know, fit your needs. Okay, okay. Well, they're beautiful trees, but they're just getting out of hand here. Well, so. now's the time right. to give them that attention, okay. Jan, and they they won't okay. mind it. We will at all. do it. Okay. I appreciate it, Brian. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. You know, it really is a beautiful day today, folks. But, you know, know, another tree like that, uh, you know, the live oaks and those kind of things, too. If those are a little out of hand, you want to prune those now, prune citrus now. But you really don't want to wait. we're kind of excited about the fact we've got some pruning still going on in our citrus orchards, and we're trying to get it done. We would have loved to have it finished a month ago, but we had machinery breakdowns and different things happen. But uh, if you're going to do major pruning on these trees that can be sunburned, you know, now's the time. And uh, so you want to make sure that they're healthy, they're getting water, prune them back this time of year. And if you're going to expose major wood to the sun, you know, there's some different, like the tree trunk paint, those kind of things. You could put something on to protect them from getting sunburned. Uh, uh, let's see. Next up, we have Sherry in Avondale. Good morning, Sherry. Good morning. A um, couple of questions. One is first on my garden. I planted Brussels sprouts for the first time, and they did great. Now, my question is, do they reproduce after you've picked 
Nope, the party's over after you've harvested them. Uh, then, then there's then there's next fall. You can plant them next fall again. Okay, because their plants are still beautiful. And I well, you can leave the plant. Plants. You know, there's no reason you have to take the plants out of the garden. You you could leave yeah, the plants sure. in the garden, but you know, and, and they'll last until it gets hot. So. Oh, okay, okay. Second question: In our backyard, we uh, have a heck of a time getting Bermuda grass in the summer to come up. Our winter lawns beautiful but um the bermuda we've done everything we could think of and it just comes up patchy some spots it's just dirt it will not come up sherry are just too kind well probably the best thing is just start (laughs) over you know and really a good time to start with a new line is it pretty sunny you got even light sherry yeah pretty much on one side uh, we have uh, a citrus tree, mm-hmm. but it's over in the rock area, and it will get a little shade, but not a lot. I mean, there's still a lot of sun, you know, on the whole yard. So what you might want to do is, is somewhere here along in April, like by around the end of the month or so, um, if you want to just go ahead and cut all that ryegrass short, rent a sod cutter, come through and take off an inch of soil, and, and mm-hmm. come back and, and just lay new sod in. You know, you'll have a lot easier start putting sod in than you will, you know, trying to seed and mess with those kind of things. You can certainly seed and do those. But, you know, new sod is just, you know, like a new coat of paint on your house. And the, you know, okay. the only thing is it just gets so when you're finished, it's bright, it's pretty, it's happy. You know, and by replacing your sod, you'll have one. And then the other thing is to be mindful in years forward is not to uh, plant your rye grass too early and to kill it early. So to keep a happy Bermuda grass lawn, you don't really want to plant your rye before October. And you want to try and kill the rye in April. And that way, the Bermuda grass has a long enough growing season to be healthy. If you leave the rye alone, it'll go all the way through June. And uh, then the Bermuda grass doesn't get much of a chance to get it to start. And then you're, you're knocking it out in September. But there is one other method, too, Sherry. And that is you can keep the rye grass until June. You can paint it green. You can go on vacation <laughs> in July. You can plant your new rye grass in August. And it wouldn't be a bad year. <laughs> no, it wouldn't, would it? Mm, but how long how long does sod last? Because when we first moved in here, which was like twenty one years ago, mm-hmm. we put in the bob sod. Okay. Now how long does that actually last? Well, you know, if if you maintain correctly, it's pretty much forever. But, you know, bob sod was one that was really popular here before and it kinda we got a great call because of the stadium and different things and the idea is it was gonna take lower light. But it's more of a spreading and a little harder to maintain type of Bermuda grass. So if you have a lot of traffic, I would do something like a Tifway 419. Or if you just want something that looks good, you could do like a mid-iron or easy turf. And those are going to be ones that will look very nice and be easy to maintain without if you don't have a lot of traffic. And then in the winter, and then to put in the ryegrass, you do it the same way as if it was just seeded? Right. Yeah, you just come through and seed your ryegrass, and you're going to put that in, like I say, wait until October, and uh, it'll be okay. kind for your Bermuda grass, and then try to, you know, actually remove it and pay attention to get rid of the ryegrass. Or you got the other option, it's the vacation in the middle of summer option, get out of here while it's hot, and paint the, you know, and leave, leave a little bit of painted ryegrass there to be brown, and you can plant your rye as early as you want to. You can plant rye in August. Mm. Okay. 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 Well, thank you so much. Thanks, you sir. were a big help. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.
Bye. Oh, we're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we actually have wide open phones. We have Julia back here smiling. We're going to see what she's going to come up with some music. And uh, we'll be right back with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We're here every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM KTAR. Give Julia a call on the break at 602-277-5827-277 KTAR. And uh, sorry, Linda, it's a great song. You sing it, I think, better than the Eagles. Of course, you know, you were their bud anyway. So what the heck? You guys all had fun together. Uh, welcome back to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. I want to take a minute and invite you out to the nursery. Yes, folks, it's a beautiful day. It was gorgeous out there yesterday. And now is a great time to plant trees. If you need trees, any kind, any size, from 15 gallons to a big 72-inch box, uh, we can, you know, you can come pick up beautiful 15 gallons at the nursery. We can deliver and plant it for you at your home. From ash trees and pistachios and elms to, you know, fruitless olives like Swan Hills, American mesquites, whatever your dream might be for that perfect garden. Come out and see us at Woodfields. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale Avenue. We're in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe. And 2647 East Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. We're open Monday through Saturdays from 8 to 5.30, Sundays 10 to 4. And Monday through Saturdays, you can also visit our big tree farm in Stanfield. That's on Stanfield Road, about a half mile south of Interstate 8. Whitfield Nursery for four generations, growing trees here in Arizona for Arizona's future. Oh, let's see. Next up we have, it looks so, boy, everybody called right at the same time. Charlene and Waddell. Good morning, Charlene. Good morning. How are you today? Excellent. And you? Doing real well. Hey, I'm trying to uh, grow a vegetable garden. I have a compost pile going, and I put the uh, the stem of the celery out there in it, and it grew up. Right? Mm-hmm. Beautiful stalks. <laughs> but I cut some the other day, and it's very bitter. Uh-huh. Should I do something different for it? Well, cut it down, feed it to the hogs. I don't have any hogs. Oh, darn. Okay, you don't have any hogs. Well, um, you know, really, I haven't grown much celery, and celery would be more of a winter item. Um, 
So, but as far as your your compost pile and that kind of thing, as long you know, as long as your compost is composted and broke down, that's a great thing to add to your garden. But as far as the flavor of celery, um, you know, I really haven't really had experience growing celery to change the flavor much. So I don't know if it needs a little extra calcium or what it likes better. Perhaps we have a listener here that has grown you know more celery than I have and can give us better advice. But uh, I really haven't grown a lot of celery. Wow. Well, I haven't I'm, grown everything, Shirley. And I got—I tell you, though, the other person, though, the best—the best resource around is the University of Arizona Cooperative Extension Service, and they have a master yeah. master gardeners program. And uh, you know, it's just a diversity with all the, the things that people grow in the community, plus the experience of the people from the laboratories at the universities. You know, they have a lot of different ideas and different things to do. And uh, you know, truthfully, Shirley, most of my knowledge has come from what I call the little old ladies of Central. Phoenix, you know, when I grew up here back in the 60s, no, they were at home, you know, back then, you know, not all, not as many moms had to work as they do now, and a lot of them just loved to garden, you know, and they would come in, and I would learn so much for these women, and, and men too, but especially a lot of the women that uh, that gardened and grew things and, and really took care of their homes and yards in Phoenix, that uh, that's where a lot of my experience really comes from, that and having a grandfather who was a chef that, you know, he could never walk past a plate without tasting it, so that that means everything that he did at home in the garden. He had to plant this and graft a citrus tree with 22 varieties and all those kind of things. So, you know, it's that you know, basically that portion of it. We're not happy with the way things are. we got to make it a little better. <laughs> that does make things a lot of fun in, in landscaping and in, in food. But I would say the best resource, unless somebody wants to call the program and give us more information, would be from the Master Gardeners Program for the University of Arizona Extension Service. And, and they have groups all over the valley. And it's a great program, and uh, you're getting the combined experience of a lot of people doing different things. Yeah. Well, it sure made a pretty plant, though. Oh, yeah, it could be beautiful. <laughs> well, Charlene, yeah. have a nice I'll weekend. Just let it go. All righty. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. Uh, Vicki and Tempe, good morning, Vicki. Hey, Brian. How are you today? Excellent. Well, I just wanted to tell you or ask you a question. We were listening to your program yesterday because we were traveling, and you advised somebody to spray the foliage on tomato plants with fish emulsion. Mm -hmm. I've always heard that you weren't supposed to get the leaves wet. Well, that fish emulsions used on them organically in farming. I mean, I, I know people that do it. I, they've had pretty good luck with it. And so, uh-huh. you know, they're obviously going to get wet when you're out in your garden, you know, and, and historically using like Peter's or miracle Grow, you know, for tomatoes, which is very popular. There's instructions mm-hmm. right on the containers to spray foliar feed tomatoes. So I don't think you'll have wow. any problem at all foliar feeding tomatoes. Do you have any advice for what kind of a sprayer? Because I would think that it's you probably need to get it. Well, it's going to depend. It's going it's it's to so depend. Thick. It's going to depend on the size of your garden. And actually, if you buy really good liquid fish, well, I've got mushrooms. about fifteen beds. Oh, you got a lot, a lot of space. Well, then you're going to want to. You're going to want to use something that you can put on the higher volume with. So probably the best thing for that would be just a hose-in sprayer, where you put a quart of fertilizer okay. and it sprays out, and you can control it. You know, anywhere from eight to twenty gallons at a time, and that would be the easiest way to apply it. And what we do, right, and, and what we do in agriculture, Vicky, is we do this thing always first called the jar test. Okay, 
So we mix up one jar of what we're going to put on our plants, and we spray Ooh. one or two trees, and we see what the results are. And then that way we That's don't put... That's a great idea. Well, that way we don't put too much fertilizer on and kill the whole grove, because no matter how confident something we think we're going to do is, if we haven't used that product before, we want to make sure that we're familiar with how it's going to work in our own orchard or our own garden. Yeah. So a, a jar sense. test is always a good idea, Vicki. Makes sense. Well, have fun. Thanks for listening on Saturdays, too. I can't mention that station on this station or vice versa. But I know. Well, we were driving home from Greer, and, and you just happened to be on. So, Well, was it cold in Greer, or was it warming up? Uh, yesterday morning when we left, it was 29 degrees. Woo! That is a cold place. Well, up there at Holly Lakes, yeah. you know, about as cool as we get Yeah, but it's beautiful in the summer. That's oh, absolutely gorgeous. Oh, shoot. I shouldn't have said that on air. <laughs> Bye. Uh, Lindsay and Mesa, good morning. Hello. Hi. Um, I have have a couple of watering questions for Uh you. So I have, now tell me first, it's about passion fruit and about grapes. Mm -hmm. Are one of those things not something you... Well, like you know, I heard you saying you don't have a lot of experience with celery. If you don't have a lot <laughs> well, of experience with passion fruit, we won't bother. I'm a passionate guy who likes wine. What can I tell you? Um, no, great. <laughs> okay. those two I have quite a bit of experience with. So, are they new? Oh, are, they, are they new plants, Lindsay, or mature plants? So, my grapes have been in the ground for probably a year and a half. Okay. And my passion fruit just got planted. Okay, so the and grapes, so, well, uh, we're going to run out of time here, so I want to get your information in okay, before okay. the break. So basically, the grapes, you want to deep water uh, once a week with a drip system's great, okay? And the passion okay. vine, uh, you'll want to get to that, but you're not going to get to that for a couple weeks. So just give it an extra hose watering in between, and you can put them on the same irrigation line. Oh, okay. Just once a week, even in the summer? Even in the summer. Now, do you want okay. to hold on and, and be on after? Are you good, or do you want to hold on be on well, after the break? Um, I, well, I just got off my night shift, and I'm going inside to go to sleep. So I guess I would like to talk more, but maybe I'll call you another time. Buenos <laughs> <laughs> noches, Lindsay. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Yeah, thanks. You too. Bye-bye. <laughs> Oh, we'll be right back after the news with the Whitsell Nursery Garden Show. In the meantime, you can give Julia a call at 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. 